Let's turn our eyes and our ears now to the word of Jesus, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 37. Next week, we will be resuming our studies in John, but for this one-off day, this special day, the beginning of a new year, we want to refocus as a church on what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. So Acts 2, verse 37, this is in the middle of that great passage about uh, the first day of the church, the day of Pentecost, um, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we thank God for this, his word. So if you have a Bible, please open again to Acts uh, chapter 2. And we're thinking of this passage, uh, hopefully from a, a slightly different angle, as we think about praying for our church in the year uh, that lies ahead. So we're thinking about aims and objectives for 2023. What kind of church could we be in 2023? What kind of church should we be in 2023? What kind of church does Jesus want us to be in 2023? If we were given an opportunity to start again uh, from scratch, what would we do and, and how would we do it? If you were given a blank sheet and uh, you could put on it all the essential things that we required for this congregation and for others, what would you put on it? Now, I suppose we could dream up our um, wish list we could send people out into other churches to see what they're doing, and we could copy the good things and ignore the bad things. They could go on some kind of field trip and report back. We could look back at history and say what was good about what they did in previous generations. We could look at our own history and say, yeah, we tried that, that was good. We tried that, that wasn't so good. We could do all those things. Or, or, we could study the Bible. We could study Scripture and see how God intended the church to be. 
We could study the scripture to see God's priorities. We could study the scriptures and see God's master plan. And as we read the scriptures over and over again, we should constantly be looking for the vital signs of a healthy, alive church rather than a a sickly, dying church. So how, how do you check to see if somebody is physically alive and physically well? Well, apparently, um, there are certain vital signs. If you're breathing, apparently that's very helpful. That's the first thing you do, check for breathing. You check for the strength of the pulse. That's another vital sign. Blood pressure, apparently, is important. Temperature is also important. Testing reflexes Can they move their fingers and toes? Can they respond to their name being used? Those are the kinds of vital signs that you can use to see if somebody is physically alive and well. But what about the condition of my own soul? What about the condition of our church? Are there any vital signs that we should be looking for in a healthy church? Or or, or as we look at ourselves and do a few tests, what should we be seeing? What's missing that might actually result in, might result in unhealthy living as a church or as an individual Christian? So what are the vital signs? I mean, are, are we individually and as families and as a church, are we healthy spiritually today? As we think about this year that lies ahead and other years, hopefully in the will of God, do we want to be healthy? Do we want to be healthy? Now, this is the time for resolutions, isn't it? Um, I don't find them terribly helpful because I always break them. But are we resolved in 2023 to be the Christian that Jesus wants us to be and to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. See, Acts gives us many answers to the question, what kind of church could we be? What kind of church should we be? Acts is is full of those kinds of answers, especially chapter 2, 42 to 47. And we're going to look at some of those answers. It, It is well known, of course. We preach on it many, many times. But I want to... Think it in terms of how we ought to pray for each other with these vital signs. How do we pray for the church? So let's examine the Word and let the Word examine us. One commentator put it like this, previous experience and personal taste normally shape our desires and demands from our church And the Bible is often left aside. Think about that. Previous experience, personal taste, shape our desires and demands from our church, and the Bible is often left aside. I suggest we forget about previous experiences, good or bad. We should forget about those traditions that are very often man-made, sometimes not. We should forget about our personal tastes and let the word, let the gospel shape who we are 
and shape what we do. We are a blessed people, aren't we? Because we do have the Word of God before us, uh, shaping us, sometimes rebuking us, sometimes correcting, always longing to change us. Now, the context, as I mentioned earlier on, is the day of Pentecost. And the gospel is being preached, and the gospel is saving people to Christ, thousands of them. It must have been a wonderful day. Could you try again? I don't know what I said there. My watch is speaking to me. Um, Shh. So the gospel is saving people to Christ, thousands of them, but the gospel is also saving thousands of people to a brand new community, to a brand new body, the church. And Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, his first sermon and perhaps his best, closes in verse 36. And we read there that the people are cut to the heart in verse 37. They're cut to the heart. See, that's what the gospel does, of course. It cuts through our hard-shelled soul like a, like a hot knife through warm butter. And the people are convicted about their sin and they're convinced about Jesus and they're going to be changed. 3,000 people born again. 3,000 spiritual newborns. 3,000 shepherding responsibilities. 3,000 accidents waiting to happen. Can you imagine that day in Jerusalem? But the Holy Spirit is reigning, you see. And with His rule, there are great responsibilities among the converts and among the leaders, in this case, the apostles. And that's what we have this little picture of those early days within the church for our encouragement and for our help. There are key words and the key ideas that jump out. And again, I sort of put them in, in the, the form of a prayer. God, Lord, Jesus, as a church, let us in 2023 be devoted to these three things, to the word, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. As a church, Lord, let us be devoted. That's my prayer for you, for us. That's what we need if we're going to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. Notice in verse 41, those who accepted his message, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then verse 42, they devoted themselves. Do you, do you see that? They accepted the message of the gospel, and the response was they were devoted to. So the acceptance of the message of salvation equals devotion to God and the things of God. The first evidence of the Spirit's presence in these people's lives was devotion to the things of God. So I say, listen, I think you've really got to examine yourself this morning, because I have to examine myself. So you say you're a Christian. You could put your hand up and say, I am a Christian. Yeah, there's one hand up. Good. <laughs> Thank you. I think there are many others, brothers and sisters, who are a bit shyer than you. I am a Christian. 
The Holy Spirit is reigning in my life. That's what we say. The Bible says, show the evidence. Show the evidence. Don't just use the words. Let's see. Devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I think I often quote John Stott at this stage. The Holy Spirit opened up a school in Jerusalem that day and 3,000 pupils entered P1. Can you imagine the chaos that there would have been? The Holy Spirit opened up a school in Jerusalem that day. 3,000 pupils entered P1. But there was none of this kind of modern church comment that we often hear. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Do you ever hear that? I hear that. Nonsense. I don't like long sermons. Hmm. Sorry. I don't like doctrine or theology. I like it nice and simple. You got none of that on the day when the Holy Spirit was reigning in that early church. None of that. They didn't despise their minds. They didn't disdain theology. They didn't deny the need for human teachers. On the contrary, they sat at the apostles' feet hungry for the word. You see, when the Spirit reigns, when the Spirit really reigns, believers are hungry for the Word. Believers feed on the Scriptures. This is the backbone of a healthy Christian. This is the backbone of a healthy Christian family. And this is the backbone of a Christian church family. Teaching. They devoted themselves to the Word. Lord, God, Jesus, in 2023, will you let me and my family and my church be devoted to the Word? They couldn't get enough passionately, persistently, obstinately. They were devouring the Word. It's a sign, of course, that the Holy Spirit is reigning. If or when the Bible is diminished, if or when the Bible is diminished, it's not the Holy Spirit who's at work. Do I have to point out who really is at work? And sadly, some of the fastest growing churches, some of the fastest growing ministries in the world, even in their own land, are biblically light, man-centered, and the Spirit is not reigning, despite what they might say. Because when the Spirit is reigning, the people are devoted to the Word. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this year, can I ask you to have a heart for the word of God, to read it, to study it, to understand it, to obey it? For, here's a few examples of how you might do that. Before a Sunday, before a Sunday service, Commit to reading the text that we're going to study together and do it several times. The online bulletin goes out on, or the email goes out on, on Friday afternoon, sometime I'm led to believe. It tells us what we're going to study. In fact, but you don't really need that. Normally, it's the next passage 
So I can tell you next week we'll be studying from John chapter 1, verse 19 on. So read the rest of that passage again and again and again and again so that when you come, you're engaged with the text. You're hungry for the word and you're saying to the preacher, preacher, tell us what this means. That's how you might be devoted to the word of God. But we'll have to move on. Devoted to the fellowship, verse 42. Koinonia. It means enjoying God and enjoying God's people. God offers you, God offers us two magnificent gifts, himself and his people. All kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds together in Christ. Partnership, oneness, commonality. No matter what our background or class or color or age and again, we've got to be careful we don't become a people that says, oh, I, I, I like people of my own age. Or um, I, I prefer people from my own background. Or um, I need people who are just like me. That's not the church. Because you get that kind of thing in a, a nice club. And there are many nice clubs you can join and have that kind of of existence. We're more than a one-stop shop for religious consumers. We're more than a drop-in to get a religious pick-me-up. We're sharing life together. We're sharing faith and service and worship together. They didn't wait for fellowship to happen. They pursued it. They were devoted to it. They chased it. And it's costly. Of course it's costly. Some say, I I don't feel as if I belong. Well, if you're a Christian, you do belong. But you don't wait. You shouldn't wait. You can't afford to wait for relationships to happen. You make it happen. You, you're a believer. Make it happen. Pursue it. It's costly. It means giving up time. It means giving yourself to others. And of course, Some never know true fellowship because they have never learned the secret of giving themselves away to others. They want to keep themselves to themselves and they still want fellowship. It can't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So give yourself away to people. Even if they give you the cold shoulder, even if they don't want you, you still do it because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be people in fellowship. So how do we do that? Some practical steps for that. Come early to the worship services and fellowship with people. Why not make a point of trying to talk to somebody different or somebody new each time? Stay after the worship services are over and fellowship. Join a growth group and guess what? Fellowship. Come to the evening service and not just the morning service and fellowship. And you're probably saying, you hypocrite, you don't even have an evening service tonight. (laughs) Invite people to your home and fellowship. That's how we do life as a church. And then we see they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer which is basically, breaking of bread is, is code for 
the gospel, remembering the gospel, remembering the death and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, remembering the message of salvation, devoted prayer, not daydreaming, not planning the agenda of the week ahead, passionate prayer. About what? About what? What do we pray for? Well, the rest of the book of Acts suggests that the early church prayed uh, based on your kingdom come. They didn't pray for health, didn't pray for an easy life. Your kingdom come. And guess what happened? His kingdom came. The 3,000 became 30,000, and the 30,000 became 3 million. And the 3 million became 30 million, and the 30 million became 300 million. And it's gone on and on ever since. That's what we should be devoted to, praying and remembering the gospel. But listen, we have to move on. God as a church, let us to be devoted to these things. Let's quickly deal with a few other things. God as a church, let us be filled with awe. Verse 43, everybody was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The word awe there is phobia or where we get fear from. You know, claustrophobia, the fear of closed in spaces. Hydrophobia, the fear of water. Xenophobia, the fear of strangers. Sermonphobia. You don't suffer from that, do you? But here, it means a healthy fear of God, a reverential fear of God. God, as a church in 2023, let us have, give us, give us an awe, a sense of awe of who you are. So we won't play at church, won't play at religion. We'll not treat you lightly. A deep sense of who God is. Notice, by the way, that they weren't devoted to signs and wonders as some try to make out from verse 43. They were devoted to the word, to the fellowship, to the gospel, to prayer. Then they were open to exactly whatever God was going to do. And that's the order we should should do that. And not looking for signs and wonders, but be devoted to the things that God tells us to be devoted to and then wait for God to do what he's going to do. By the way, what is the greatest sign and wonder of all? What is the greatest sign and wonder of all? Salvation. That's what we should be continually praying for. Trevor came in to pray with me this morning as he normally does. What did he pray for? That one this morning would be saved. I wonder will that prayer be answered positively this time? Everybody was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostle. By the way, it wouldn't be wonderful on the first day of this new year to say, God, I surrender. I leave my sin. I surrender to my Savior. It'd be easy to remember your spiritual birthday, wouldn't it? Let's quickly move on. God, as a church, let us be generous, 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need generosity. That's going to be tougher, is it not, this year that lies ahead with so many pressures and problems on us as, um, as, a, as, as a, a, a society. But here we read that voluntarily the people sold goods and possessions and shared with the poor. Not everybody sold everything, of course. As verse 45 tells us, that some kept their homes. They needed their homes. Some needed to keep their homes so that they could 
meet in those homes. It's not communism, that kind of forced economic political system which is utterly godless. But what we have here is born-again believers supporting brothers and sisters who were poor, unemployed, abandoned, or in need. And that's the way it should be. And by the way, if you or your family are in need, in dire need, then confidentially come to us, talk to us, and we will seek to help you as best we can. Now, in our context, the principle is exactly the same. The outworking may be different because we've got national health system, we have pensions and social care, and all kinds of other things. But, but, but the principle is this, folks. We can be generous people. And when the Holy Spirit is reigning, we are generous people. We open up our homes for the needy. We open up our diaries for other people. We open up our bank accounts for ministry. We give. It's generosity. When the Holy Spirit reigns, this is what happens. 2023, in hard times, let us give. And let's give until it hurts. God, as a church, let us be generous. And God, as a church, let us be evangelistic, 44 and 45. That's wrong. Uh, would be uh, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Another beautiful picture of what happens when the Holy Spirit is reigning because these people were not so preoccupied with learning and sharing and fellowshipping and worshiping that they forgot... They forgot to, uh, to share the good news with other people. They knew that the Holy Spirit is a missionary God. They weren't trying to be the coolest place in town. They weren't trying to put on a slick show. They were just doing life and faith together. Real living, no, no pretense. Um, real joy, no restrictive man-made traditions. Real message, no man-made lies. And people were saved. People were saved. God added to their number. God rescued. Saved for heaven. Saved for holiness. Saved for God. To their number, by the way. Notice that. And the Lord added to their number. Yeah. The church again. People are converted to Christ and to his church. We are all made for the family of God. If you're unsaved this morning and you're here, I'm so, I'm so glad. We're so glad you're here and, and listening. But what I want to say to you if you're unsaved is that God's people here are very ordinary people. But they're saved by an extraordinary God. And the extraordinary God is doing extraordinary things in people's lives. But we're all bad and we're all sinful. We're all guilty failures. But God has saved us. And God is changing us bit by bit. And what I want to say to you if you're unsaved is maybe you too. And maybe Trevor's prayer 
It's going to be answered in your life right now, right here. Because he's going to add to the number of the church your name. But if you are saved, and many of you are, the vast majority of you are, I want to say to you that you're part of the missionary team. You're part of the missionary team. And we, we should not allow failure, either personal failure or church failure in the past, to put us off. We, 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 shouldn't, be able, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be sucked in by negativity. We're going to have all kinds of opportunities to share the gospel with people this year. No better time than when people are worried and concerned about their health or about their finances to share what really is important their bankruptcy before a holy God. We're going to run Christianity Explored again, God willing, um, probably in March. I I want you to think about the people you're going to invite to that. You should have 10 people that you're praying for, 10 unsaved people, 15 unsaved people that you are in contact with, you're praying for, and you should be thinking about, I'm going to invite them to come. And God might add them to the number of the church because they're saved. Pray for Christianity Explored. Anyway, time's gone. We're not talking here about externalism. We're not talking about human effort because like resolutions, we can say, oh yes, I must come to church more and I must pray more and I must do this more. I I really must, I must, I must, I must. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. However, there's something something more important. There's something much more fundamental if we're going to do these things. And it's about our hearts. Does Jesus reign in our hearts? Are our hearts devoted to God and his glory? Are we in awe of our holy God? Are we compelled to be generous to his cause? Do we want to tell people about who he is and what he's done for us? Our hearts need to be filled with God, filled with his Holy Spirit, filled with grace, filled with the gospel. And seen in these things here, devotion. Let's be a devoted people. Oh, let's be an awe-filled people. Gladness and sincerity. May we be glad and sincere. And praise May we be praise-filled as a people. It's another new year, another great opportunity for us to be God's people, to serve him and to honor him. May we do it the way he intends us to do it, the way it's laid out in Scripture. Have a great year, and God willing, we'll do it together as we worship him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful, simple picture of what the church can be and should be. And we know very often um, we're so busy, we're so wrapped up in our uh, business, in our hobbies, in our living, in our families and friends that we forget what we could be. So God, our Father, Lord, Jesus, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our Comforter, as a church, let us be devoted and let us be filled filled with awe 
and let us be generous and let us be evangelistic all for the glory of our God. We bring our prayers in his name. Amen.